your number one destination for pop culture, news, and entertainment. I'm Eric Hawthorne. And I'm Jane Banks. And we want to thank you for listening. First, in order to keep up with us, please take a moment to like, subscribe, and share the show. Also on our Facebook, search Urban Alchemy Podcast, your search bar, and join the community. Uh, So, brother, what's been happening with you? Oh, man, got a lot going on here. Uh... First and foremost, thank you to all of our listeners out there. You guys are amazing. We have now transitioned fully over to the Adori Studios app. So we are no longer with our former hosting site, Buzzsprout. So please, if you do have our site saved, please update that. You can go to our Facebook page where that has been updated now with them. So we'll be able to do a lot more interactive videos, drop pictures, locations, videos, whatnot. While you're listening to while you're listening to the episode on the Adori site, or you can always uh, download the Adori app. So we are excited to be on that network. We're going to be doing a lot of good things and we are also on the Pitch Podcast Network now. So yeah, we're going to also be doing a little cross-promoting with some of those shows. So shout out to our cohorts here in Kansas City, uh, Downtown Dish, uh, Streetwise, a lot of great shows that I'm happy to be a part of this community with. Uh, so yeah, it's it's amazing to finally get some recognition after years of doing this. But yeah, we have worked really hard, Eric. We have elevated our craft and and we are finally being noticed. So that's super dope. So shout out to us. Yes. Yes, indeed. You know, uh, you want to talk about some of those articles that you've been uh, writing for the pitch. I mean, you've been doing a really good job. And Actually, I was I actually did want to bring it up because, you know, I am not a trained writer. Uh, I am still admittedly a neophyte, still trying to work out the kinks of journalism. So I have people look over my articles and give them a once over revise them if need be. And Eric was so gracious to help me out with that on my last article. So if you enjoyed that and thought, wow, this is well constructed, Eric also assisted with that. So thank you, Eric, for being there as a friend. I thank you for being a friend. <laughs> I don't need any credit for that, but thank you, brother, for recognizing me. Absolutely. I believe in giving credit where credit's due. Uh, anybody who knows me, a lot of people were very surprised to see that I am writing articles. So, you know, a lot of it goes into it, and a lot of it has to do with people who are here to help me on this journey. So, you were one of those people, so I definitely give credit where credit's due. And, yeah, those articles have been amazing, just being able to feature people like Brian Shannon, our good friend, my mentor our dean many years ago and we've been able to you know he's been one person who has always been there to give advice and you know just help me when i'm i'm down and need encouragement so i was the fact that he was our first interview when we started off and my first article i was able to write it was tremendous everything coming full circle and our last one in regards to Canton city fashion big shout out to all the clothing lines that are coming up here in the city i am so blessed to be able to bring these people to you and our next one is going to be another amazing one as well so be on the lookout for that i'm super excited to see all the work that's going on in the community with the creatives so yeah we're doing a lot here at the podcast way more than podcasting these days yes absolutely uh so you know i just want to once again just say congratulations and i'm really proud of you brother thank you thank you i appreciate that who would have thought this podcast would have turned into so much <laughs> yeah i guess my so. cup runneth over your cup runneth over okay now you're tooting your own horn i don't know if we do, 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 do. <laughs> like denzel washington mo better blues oh wow 
a, a film that we probably will review eventually. My favorite. Okay. Spike Lee Joy. Let's talk about film. I think that when we discuss some of our film, our, our love for film and critique and stuff like that, we're often doing film that may not necessarily be mainstream. Would you say that? Uh I would say it's mainstream in the, in the sense that it's, it's de- the movies we watch definitely end up popping up in award season. Right. I would say they're not. I'd say they're not widely known. Right. Uh, I wouldn't say they're pop culture hits. Yeah, you, you, I think what you and I like are smaller, contained, narrative-driven. We're not Oscar whores. No, no, no. We're not. <laughs> we're we're not the type that like oh. We're not the Oscar bait. Yeah, crowd. we don't wait till the list comes out, then no. sees the movie. We see movies and they just so happen to be on the list. Right, right. Um, I think that we really enjoy films that have, are kind of quirky, mm. just kind of dark in have some a sense. To yeah, them. very, very, very um, good directing. We look at the cinematography and stuff like that. Now, we do like films that. Any typical person would like, you know, comedies and stuff like that. But we like to really dive deeper a lot of times into the uh, pathos of the character and what they're thinking. We like to I I think we discussed this a little bit ago that I like films, not necessarily with a villain, but an antagonist. Mm -hmm. I think the the antagonist can be just a central conflict. It doesn't necessarily have to be an actual person, you know, so on and so forth. But when did your love for film transcend entertainment and become art for you? I would say that would be back in maybe, what was it, 2014? Mm-hmm. When we had that slate of, of movies that literally just ignited my passion and that was the first time I really sought out other people like via YouTube or articles written on movie reviews or just to see what everybody else was saying and see if they felt the same way because we had uh, Whiplash come out and that one just it, it touched me so deeply and, and it just was like this is amazing someone made this and it was just not your traditional movie it was just pretty much two two actors going back and forth and it was an amazing piece of art to me and and we had Birdman, which was amazingly shot, amazingly written. And you had amazing actor acting by Michael Keaton, once again, which you don't get to see very often. And you had Foxcatcher come out and another you Steve Carell doing a, a performance outside of his you know comfort zone. Channing Tatum doing a performance outside his comfort zone. And then uh, Mark Ruffalo, of course, just being Mark Ruffalo. Uh, Oscar winner Mark Ruffalo. Uh, but no, it, it, it was just around that time that I really start a Nightcrawler. Of course, uh, but it was around that time I really started diving deeper into movies and taking you know a second look and looking at them from different angles, and that really made me want to actually you know say, hey Eric, we need to, <laughs> you know, this was several years ago, and it wasn't until what two years ago, two and a half years ago, we actually did it. But that's when we really was actually you know throwing it at the wall. Let's do this. Right, because initially the podcast was conceived as just something where we were going to talk about movies that we enjoyed. Yeah, I was like, what else are we qualified to talk about? Right, right, right. Um, I think my love for film started probably around 2000. And it's funny that you bring up the movie Whiplash because the character the character that J.K. Simmons plays in that film reminds me of the educator that put me on to film. Uh, the first 
film that I can think of that was notable was Last of the Mohicans. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoyed that. And we broke down the symbolism and like the irony and the uh, other tropes in the film. We we took it at a at a deeper level. And so you can imagine like a bunch of 12 and 13 year olds, you know, breaking down this film, which is rated R that shouldn't even be shown in the school. And then we watched 12 Angry Men. We uh, watched uh, other films, other great films of Mice and Men. And we were told to really analyze these films. And so going forward, I began to look at film uh, a lot differently. You know, in my youth, uh, I think uh, some films that I enjoyed uh, growing up and going to college were uh, Slumdog Millionaire. Uh, I broke down The Dark Knight. I know The Dark Knight uh, has a few deeper levels to it, but then um, No Country for Old Men. My uncle actually told me to watch that film and that was excellent you told me to watch uh there will be blood and i think in that period i just kind of stopped watching film but then you kind of reignited things with talking about oh you've got to watch this like 2014 you were talking about oh watch whiplash nightcrawler um birdman and we were just it kind of reignited things for me, I will say, because we started having these deeper conversations about, you know, what great film was and that is not necessarily a big summer blockbuster, which we see right now. I've always loved film. Uh, film was, you know, my mom was constantly at blockbuster video or Hollywood video, whichever one had the movie we were looking for. But that's when I really got hooked on on various types of film because, you know, at a certain point you had seen everything and you just start reaching into the back catalog and saying, oh, what's this? You know, I've heard of Shawshank Redemption. Let's see what that is. You know, I've heard of Silence of the Lambs. Let's see what that is. And then you start seeing these great films and then it's just like, wow, you know, I don't in my sphere of my community, in my little microcosm of a neighborhood, I don't hear about these films. Uh you know, no one was really talking about, you know, the great work. No one was talking about Clockwork Orange on my mm -hmm. block. But it really uh, made me go out. And I can remember, you know, really, really looking for odd movies in the cat, you know, cashier looking at like, why are you renting the, the portrait of Dorian Gray? And it's just like, right. well, it has this one director or, you know, it's just, you know, getting introduced to like Stanley Kubrick. Uh, I actually never liked anything that Kubrick has ever done. Well, oddly enough, my mom was really into Stephen King uh, mm. and Anne Rice, so we really were, you know, she had books laying all over the house, and anytime a movie would come out, you know, she would rent it in a pet cemetery, you know, mm -hmm. and we would get terrified, and The Shining was one of those, and it was just like, wow, this is such an oddly it just eerily made movie. And I was just like, let me in and I watched clockwork orange. And I was just like, wow, this is another one. Yeah. I think there's only one Kubrick film that I like, and that's Dr. Strange love. Okay. Yeah, that's the only f film I like. And that is a dark comedy, very dark comedy. Uh, so uh, full metal jacket. I like scenes out of the movie, but I don't actually like the film. I honestly don't remember very much after the drill sergeant. Yeah, that's like one of the only scenes that I like. And in the I did film. not know that was uh, D'Onofrio for yeah. the longest time. For the longest time. Yeah, D'Onofrio, one of his earlier roles. Yeah, definitely. That was Gomer Powell. Yes, absolutely. Um, and then The Shining. Didn't particularly care for. My mother loves The Shining. 
Black woman is Stephen King. Yeah, and then I tried to watch a film that was Kubrick inspired, but directed by another director, Steven Spielberg. AI, I couldn't stand it. Yeah, AI wasn't good. So not actually my cup of tea, but you know there are other great directors out there that we enjoy. Um, Scorsese, of course, and we'll talk about Scorsese films. Uh, we gotta have a Scorsese month. Yeah, that would be great, actually. Because, uh, I mean, I'm sure he has more than four films. Well, I mean, got, uh, Casino, Casino, Goodfellas. Goodfellas. You like, you love The Departed. The Departed. Oh, yes. I just thought The Departed was okay. It's, it's, it's great. It's. I mean, there are other. Smaller, and it's based off a true story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are other smaller films like uh, Cape Fear. Yeah. Um, which isn't great but you know it's 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 in his catalog yeah it's early work i'm sure if we listen look at some of our earlier work it's like it's not great but right it's in the catalog <laughs> right but out of all the films that he won his oscar for it was like hugo yeah that was just uh that was the training day that was the monster's ball like right. you gotta give it to him right but yeah, yeah, uh, love of movies, you know, I've always loved it. And then that was 2014 is when I actually was like, maybe I can talk about this. Maybe I have enough. And then, of course, when we had our, our uh, film classes in college, yeah, that also was very interesting to watch someone actually, you know, talk uh, critically about movies and then have us talk back critically. We had a professor that we both had previously had. Was it Daniels? No, it was a uh, shoe. Oh yeah, shoe. Shoe. Uh, and McDaniel's. McDaniel's. McDaniel's was in there as well, but um, I really respected uh, Doctor Shoe, and I really respected Doctor uh, McDaniel's as well. We had another professor, but I don't think he ever really showed up for that class. Mm, no, it was like a white guy. Yeah, I can't remember. He didn't really contribute that much. Yeah, but I think one of the greatest films that I watched in that uh, class was. Uh, Raisin in the Sun yeah. with uh, Sidney Portier. It was just so beautifully done. And I just really identified with uh, Sidney Portier's character being a black man in America, trying to take care of your family, trying to do better for yourself, you know, societal pressure. I think we watched Guess Who's Coming to Dinner or something, mm-hmm. too. Uh, yeah, and we also... Uh, Salt to the Earth. Uh, I think the, the one I liked the most was the original uh, Imitation of Life. Yes. Because I had seen the remake, but I had never seen the actual original. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it it was just, it was just, I was thankful because it's like, I don't know if I would have went out of my way to go and see the original because it's my mother's favorite movie. Uh, So I was already well acquainted with it Mm because it just, and you know, just seeing that from the original and I was just like, wow, you know, this is so deep. And my mom grew up back in the, you know, civil rights time. So it was just like, man, it, 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 it really hits on different levels when, you know, she is a child, a biracial child. So she had to deal with some of that stuff. So, yeah, it's just like being able to watch a movie and then break it down on different levels. It, it meant something different to me. Yeah, it was um, it was an excellent film. And that was my first time seeing the original as well. I think I had seen bits and pieces of the uh, remake, but mm-hmm. definitely the first time seeing the Original and it was an excellent film, and I really do appreciate being able to watch that because sometimes I think that we need to turn to older film to really address some of the issues that go on today, and you know, see. I also just see what they were 
talking about and their thought process of that time as well. So, yeah, great film. Great yeah. film. And, yeah, that, that works. Yeah, we got to look back and we have to look in different places like uh, The Departed and even Old Boy. Two of my very favorite films are based off of foreign films. They're right. just remakes. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's just a matter of us being able to look at stuff in, in different perspectives and also being from the black community we also get pigeonholed when it comes to movies you know we're not going to just sit here and review Medea or review the the boys in the hood or minister society like there's so much more out there and i really want to expose you guys to it so that is our charge to the community let's broaden our horizons let's let's really get out there and think outside the box when it comes to cinema absolutely and we mentioned 2014 was like that renaissance of film that you and I really enjoy. And one of the uh, films that we really liked was Nightcrawler. Uh, Nightcrawler was a 2014 film and it was directed by Dan Gilroy. Are you familiar with any of his works? I could not pull out any Dan Gilroy out of my hat. Me either. I had to go to Wikipedia to really see. He has a really small but diverse catalog that includes The Bourne Legacy, Real Steel, and most recently that we probably would know would be the Roman J. Israel Esquire movie. Okay. Israel Esquire movie with uh, Denzel Washington. Washington. Yeah, but I'm not even sure if that did well. I haven't seen it. I haven't. I didn't go out of my way to see it like right. I do most Denzel Washington movies. But yeah, he has a Bourne movie, which I'm not into very much, and a trash movie, real still. So Gilroy, for not being a well-known director, really, I mean, he did, I think his biggest film he's probably done is Kong Skull Island. Uh, He really does hone his skills in this particular film. He brings along Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, Gilroy's real life uh, wife, Renee Russo, Bill Paxton, and comedian Riz Ahmed in 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 a serious role, a very serious role. And I think the casting here is perfect. I mean, what do you think, brother? Absolutely. It's like, yeah, super serious. Not a comedy. No. Whatsoever. Uh, Don't expect to crack a couple jokes at any point. But no, yeah, a great cast. I think maybe his uh, strong suits might be smaller films, more contained films, because the Born Born Legacy is just all over the place. International thriller. Uh, The uh, real still is like a science fiction one. Uh, Kong Skull Island was just this blockbuster summer you know big budget summer blockbuster so loaded movie yeah super bloated uh supposed to set up a universe but this film was very self-contained a very short story uh was it like an hour and a half uh hour 57 yeah very it seems like super quick it does uh well i think that i think that's the intention is very well very well paced it doesn't miss a beat doesn't feel like it's missing anything doesn't neander around yeah it doesn't like like let's go dive into lose childhood or you know it's kind of like the joker like let's just leave them a mystery right but uh yeah just smaller contained films i think is it probably is going to be a strong suit because the way he was really able to focus on what four actors yeah really four actors i mean it's uh, Lou Bloom, uh, Renee Russo's character, Bill Paxton, briefly, and Riz Ahmed. I mean, those are really the main core, character, core, core, characters. core characters of the uh, of the film. Man. Yeah, and it's pretty much like Lou is the he's the main force, and everybody gravitates around him like you know planets. But right, I mean, there are some other small minor roles in the film. They have a guy in there who 
uh, played in Mad Men. I can't even remember his name, but he was actually really good in that show. And he plays a small role in the film. But yeah, it's really just Wait, Lou. Who's, who's not from Mad Men? The other news director guy who was old, oh, who was oh, like the, 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 you know, uh, the ethics, good, ethics yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was like the good angel yeah. on her shoulder saying, oh, we shouldn't do we this. can't do it. can't hear it. <laughs> right. But basically, it follows the story of Lou Bloom. Lou Bloom is, I believe, a man seeking purpose, purpose, opportunity, the American dream. What do you think? No, you're absolutely right. He is an honest representation of the American dream. Someone who is actually going to go out there and hustle and grind and do whatever it takes. Uh, so I, I see him more in the vein of a Rockefeller or actually Absolutely. even kind of uh, yeah. uh, plain view. Yeah. Maybe that's why we like. Yeah, maybe because like he reminds us of a lot of Daniel Plainview. Absolutely, somebody who is going to get his hands dirty and do whatever it takes to to get that dream. Because you know, I mean, let's not forget in the beginning of the film, he's stealing like scrap metal. The opening scene, yeah, he's stealing fence, uh, yeah. chain link, chain link fence, so he can sell because he steals metal. Uh, they mention uh, everything he has taken, like uh, manhole covers, uh, chain link fence, wa- uh, copper wiring, uh, which is actually a big problem. We have homeless people who break into our buildings that are being renovated and strip the copper wiring out and sell mm-hmm. them in the industrial area. But yeah, it, it, it it's just him grinding, grinding to you know make ends meet. And yeah, it's, it's he's very unsavory. Um, yeah, it's very unsavory. He's very unsettling. But the dedication that Jake Jill Hall, like a very, let's just be honest, very good looking man mm-hmm. puts into his craft and his work in this film because he becomes very gaunt, emaciated, emaciated. He, it's like he grows his eyebrows out. Mm-hmm. You know, you can tell he's very well groomed in real life. But in this film, yeah. he's just kind of letting himself go to a certain extent. I'm glad you brought that up because I, I really haven't thought too much about how Jake Gyllenhaal probably had to work to be not charming. Right. Unsettling. I mean, this is the guy from Prince of Persia. Yeah. You know, who has played action roles. Donnie before. Darko. Yeah. And it was he, he was in a boxing movie as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, 50 Cent. Uh, I cannot think of it. I can't think of it as well. But, you know, he's always been in good shape. You know, good looking Broke guy. Brokeback Mountain. Brokeback Mountain as well. Uh, opposite uh, Heath Ledger, uh, director Ang Lee. But, you know, he's always been like a charming, good-looking man, but in this film, he's very... It, just to look at him is and very unsettling. Also. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I think that Lou Bloom is a representation of the dark side of the American dream, mm. where you have to come from, from beginning to end to really succeed in what you want. It's really a story about obsession as well, obsession of your craft. Absolutely. And yeah, I think this whole movie is about the dark side of just our society. Like he's a parasite. He lives, he begins to get into the world of, uh, of uh, videoing accidents crimes to sell to the news and he pretty much becomes a a parasite of crime and misfortune and and people's worst situations yes he's literally crawling throughout the night to find people on their worst day exactly in the most vulnerable state they've ever been in their life and he is not there to aid he is there (laughs) to video absolutely because that's what we want and observe, yes. And that's our society. Like he, people like him are fed because of us. Like we have this 
morbid fascination with other people's tragedies and a person like Lou who has no moral scruples ethics he's going to do it and a lot of people out there have that same drive and it's just like he's going to succeed because he's going to do whatever it takes and it really makes you look I love these movies that make you look at humanity mm-hmm. from different angles and it's just like he's obviously the main character he's the protagonist in a sense we're rooting for him is he the protagonist or is he the antagonist to his own story he's both he's, he's, <laughs> yeah I forget which uh... he's not a particularly likable character and he's so unsavory he's really like you said a parasite like i think that the nighttime scene may be seen nightlife is like the protagonist and lou is the antagonist and he's coming through he's not giving any aid he's not helping anyone that is in need he's not even helping he doesn't even help someone that actually he has a relationship with at the uh towards a working relationship with and he watches that person die yeah. for his own <clears throat> financial gain uh and it was also tying up loose ends uh, <laughs> it was just, it was mad he put me in a situation but no it, it's 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 uh i don't know i found myself rooting for i was rooting for lou as well you wanted him the you wanted the the like when the cops come from he's like oh no i was gonna get out of this one but lou's smart and you're like yes maybe an anti-hero yeah uh i mean i have no like daniel plainview i've i think he's the protagonist of the story he's not a protagonist in the traditional sense of a good right. person or a hero. Okay. But he's the, the main focus of the story. Uh, and he is the person we want to succeed in a sense. Uh, yeah, but, but Jake Gyllenhaal was just a tremendous, this is to me is when he was just like, wow, this guy is acting like this is an actor like Daniel day Lewis, like the high, high pedestal we put him on. I was just like, this guy's acting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't think people really, really look at like, people acting in movies and think like how much is going into that transformation like i'm becoming another person and that's what he did he, he became this creepy sociopath uh yeah he, he's a sociopath because he can form relationships he wants relationships but he he doesn't care about the partnership in that relationship it's just what can you do for me exactly uh, but, but you can tell this uh, lou bloom jake's character is really well read like whether it's something he's reading off of google self-help books something he's reading to help him learn how to master the art of negotiation like master the art of the deal you know he might be you might think he's bsing to a certain extent but then no he becomes very cutthroat Mm -hmm. through as a movie progresses particularly with uh renee russo's character well, I think he's able to become more of who he really is. Like, I okay. think he's able just to come out of his shell. Yeah, just like uh, he has to play this part, just like the very first scene where he's selling this scrap to the guy and he's being very polite and being very, you know, as if he's in a job interview. I'm a very diligent, hard worker. I believe in, you know, working hard and, and making my own way. And he's just like, you're a fucking thief. Mm-hmm. Like, am I going to hire you? And so he just has to say, Thank, thank you, sir. He's smiling his face and, you know, walk away. But yeah. then as he begins to have more control, more power, then it's like, look, this is the way things are. 
this is the way I want them. I have the power to, you know, dictate how this thing goes. Mm-hmm. And that's who he really is. Mm-hmm. And so he's just, he's always been cutthroat. You know, we see him beat up a security guard the first scene and take his watch. Right. You know, he's not afraid to do those things. It's his ability to do them in broad daylight. Uh, you know, we see uh, there's a great scene with Bill Paxton where Bill Paxton's like, I need this guy on my side because he's doing great work. And Lou's just like, what part are you not understanding? I just want to grab your head and scream in your face. I'm not interested. And that's the first time you really get a, a blink into his, you know, he's let that slip, that mask slip. Mm-hmm. And someone else see like, oh, this is a fucking crazy person. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, I would say earlier I said, you know, he's coming out of his shell, but I think a better analogy would be he's coming out of his cocoon. There's mm-hmm. a metamorphosis True. throughout the film of his character, and there is a really good evolution of who he is and from beginning to end. In the beginning, he's pretending to be mild and meek, and then as the story progresses, he's like, I can't do this. I have to seize the day. He, he finds something... He finds an initial like crash or something mm-hmm. on the highway and he's like, what's going on? Why is, why is everybody gathering? And it's just news organizations, just um, not news organizations, uh, paparazzi or would you say independent? independent con- yeah, freelancers, yeah, yeah, um, indep- which he does. Yeah. And they're going to sell this footage basically to news organizations so they can air. And, you know, of course, he would receive compensation for that. But Lou realizes, I don't have the capital for this. I don't have no, uh, any equipment. So then he quickly gets a camcorder. It's a rinky-dink camcorder. How does he get the camcorder if he doesn't have the money? He steals a bike, if you don't remember. Oh, yeah. He steals a bike and pawns the bike. And then that's when he... Pawns the bike for trade. For trade, yes. And, and yeah, that, I love that scene. It's a very subtle scene because it just shows, like, even though he's a creep, he can camouflage. Like, he ties his little hair up in a bun, mm-hmm. and he automatically looks like he just fits in with these these uh, trendy little biker people. And, yeah, he was just able to walk off with a bike. Like, we couldn't do that. No, we Even if not. it was our bike, we'd still probably get stopped. Like, hey, what are you doing with that bike? Right. But I love that scene because it's very subtle the way they're just like, he's able to interject himself without being noticed. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like Eric says, he pawns the bike, uh, sells it for, for trade, uh, for credit in the pawn shop, gets a scanner and a camcorder, and go back to it, Eric. And then he starts his video production news. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, he doesn't call that at first. He's just... Uh, Learn the ropes. I He's guess. just learning the ropes, basically. Videotaping things no one wants to see. Yeah, and then he he becomes successful at that. Then he thinks he needs an employee, and so he hires uh, Riz Ahmed's character, Rick. And Rick is just a young, struggling, probably homeless kid. Probably, it's insinuated by uh, Lou that he might be turning tricks in right. order to make ends meet. Uh, which also may have insinuated that that Lou at one point may have been turning tricks, right? Because he understands, like, from Riz Ahmad's perspective, Lou looks like a successful businessman. Mm-hmm. According to Lou, he is a successful businessman who's right. or running a successful journalistic, you know, photography, videography company. Mm-hmm. But you know, he we know Lou is just in a one bedroom apartment barely making ends meet doing right. these odd jobs uh, criminal activities uh so yeah lou very well could have been a, a 
prostitute at some point. Yeah, and, we don't know anything really about his backstory. True, and, yeah. and that's what I like about this character. It's very open to interpretation, and you have to really delve into who this guy is to kind of try and figure him out, which right. is really difficult. But then, like, to your point, you know, he's living in a one-bedroom apartment, but then he starts... Yeah, it's a matter of Lou quickly growing just a fast track because of that that cutthroat precision he has. And he's just like, I know what I have to do. I have to be the best. I have to use whatever means necessary to achieve these goals. And he is in. But Lou is prideful as well. Like that car that he purchases, you know. Oh, yeah. You know, it's braggadocious. It's flashy. It gets them from point A to point B. Don't get me wrong when they're actually on the prowl at night. But, you know, I think. Rick's Rick is like pumping gas and there is a small drop of gas that hits the car and Lou just berates him. You know, he wants perfection. <laughs> Actually, the, the, the I, 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 yeah, I know what the scene you're talking about. And it's it's uh, Lou. He does this thing where he gives this long winded speech and then he says what he really means at the end and he's just like hey i just want to let you know i see you're doing a lot better you're communicating better you're doing this uh also if you ever drop gas on my car like that i will fire you on the spot (laughs) it's just like wow it's really cracking through and that happens through the movie like his little little hints of his true personality cracking through and then finally you make it to the end where it's just full-blown like I'm a horrible per. Like maybe I will hurt you. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's just interesting because okay, we start to really see the cracks, as you say, and how depraved Lou is, and what links he will go to. Yeah. So just starting off, his initial, you know, he has a few successes which he's able to sell to the news. But I'd say the first time we see him moving to truly illegal activity is there's a car accident on the side of a hill, I believe. And the driver is thrown from the vehicle and Lou sees that it could be a much better shot if the body is in front of the car in front of the light. So what he does, he takes the body from the area it is, drags it over to where he wants it to be and then stands on top of the hill to get this incredibly epic looking shot. And then that's when the kind of the gate opens like I can I can manufacture. And then there's the other scene where he breaks into the home or goes into the home and then films the family from inside their home and then looks at the mail. And then it's just like you just broke an entering and he's just like the door was open. Right, right. And then he sells that footage to the news organization. They're like, can we even run this? And they're like, oh, yeah, we'll just. uh Blur, blur things faces, out, yeah. blur out the faces, blow up, blur out the graphic nature. In essence, Lou brings out the worst in other people as well. Yeah, he definitely does help motivate because essentially this movie also does a great job, probably even a better job than The Wire's journalism season. Just showing that 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 necessity for what is going to get those ratings up. You know, it, it is horrible when we have to look at individuals not as victims, but as ratings. Because uh, they have a, a family, and I remember that scene, and I remember that the scene is so well shot because they show Lou walking through this house, and then it comes across a baby's crib. And it's just like, your heart's like, fucked. They just kill a baby. And you want to see. Right. As a, a viewer, you know, in this 
pretend movie, you're still like, oh no, a baby. And you can only imagine if you saw that on the real life news, what your physical, emotional responses would be. And that's what they want. That's what they need to to succeed in this in this age of, you know, who's going to get the story first. Uh, but yeah, it's it's very, very shocking. He definitely does. And yeah, you're right. Lou does everybody he talks to or everybody he interacts with, those three other characters, he all makes them do things uh, to fit his own means or Absolutely. makes them act outside of their own best interests or work for their best interests. You see the his boss, the, the head of news, uh, pretty much lose all professional scruples. Right, Nina. To, yeah, Nina, Nina, uh, to keep her job and then you see the uh adversarial uh bill paxton's character uh joe yeah joe you see uh pretty much he's screwed in the long run because lou's like he's i'm gonna have to eliminate him absolutely uh so uh and then you have uh riz ahmad's character i forget his name um rick uh no rick uh yeah at the end of the movie he definitely loses sense of himself and he's just like I have power and control now, so I'm going to do things outside of my character for so you know for money, and which of course negatively impacts him. But you're right; I loved you picked up on on that that everybody's just going to act outside of their character once they're around Lou. So after the initial home invasion, where he films these dead dead homeowners, which on the surface just seems like an innocent family slaughtered by gang members, and they make a very important emphasis that they want stories where it's crime seeping into the suburban, uh, you know, suburban. Pretty much, they want to cause fear. White people being afraid of minorities, because uh, that's you know, white people just sitting around the table, being watching the news and seeing crime is is our everyday reality in america unfortunately uh but it, they, they they make a big emphasis on what kind of stories that are going to get those ratings shot up and he delivers that 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 story and it's their hopes and dreams wrapped up in a bow and lou being the smart sociopath he is he sees this is not just a one-off story like this is something that can continue so he manufactures a police uh police shootout with the perpetrators he takes down the license plate he actually films the individuals of this home evasion leaving but edits that part out and so he has this information so he can pretty much stage a uh shootout so he can make another story and on top of that he also has it planned out so he can claim the reward money fifty thousand dollars in reward money and yeah it's just it really shows you and then at that point rick pretty much figures out the uh he renegotiates his contract so to speak and he is pretty much let in on the plan and instead of going along with the plan uh he pretty much tries to blackmail Lou, which is a big no-no. You don't blackmail a sociopath, of course, because you don't have you. You're not ready to do what they're ready to do. And and uh, Lou pretty much at that point decides this guy is a liability. And after this this wonderful scene takes place, where it's a shootout followed by a police chase, and it's just very fast paced. My heart was beating. I was like, oh my god, what is going on? And it was just it culminates in a crash. And during that crash, uh, Lou uh, is filming the scene and he informs Rick to 
to get close above the driver who is dead, supposedly dead, uh, the criminal driver. And as Rick is, is going up to the car and getting the shot, he realizes the driver is not dead, gets shot multiple times in the chest. And then we and then the driver gets shot by the police. And then we find out that Lou had pretty much set up Rick to get shot and killed because he had leverage, leverage. over him. And yeah, and that's another great scene where he's filming him as he's talking to him dying, saying, I couldn't I couldn't just let you uh, do this to me again. Like you would have done it again. That moment that I won in the end. Definitely. And that's the beauty of this movie. It really, really lets you run crazy with the character. And that's when I was like, man, he uh, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal would be a great Joker. Because this character just reminds me like he has no past. We don't know where he's from. We don't know about his family. Just that he is this guy who's going to do whatever it takes yeah. to get the job done. And yeah, in the I forget the. Can you look up the cop's name? The female, the black actress who plays the cop. Her name is uh, Michael Hyatt. She's from The Wire. The Wire, yes. And she has also played. And she played a few other things. But uh, she, she's in Snowfall. Snowfall. She is in uh, the Little Things. With All the little things, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, these little small plots. She has a small role in this one, too. She only appears in a couple scenes. But, she, you know, very smart cop. Letting him know, like, I don't know. And I'm, I'm going to go off, off professionalism here. I think black people have a really good sense of crazy. <laughs> and that was so surprised that they put this in the movie because mm-hmm. like everybody else is tricked by Lou or at least, you know, lets him, his persona trick him. Like he's a nice guy. He's a, that shit don't work with black people. We know crazy. Uh, you ever see Dexter? Yes. The, the surprise, motherfucker. That shit didn't work on him. He knew. Well, yeah, I have issues with uh, Dokes' character. They just made him so crazy and hyper-masculine, like a stereotypical mm. hyper-masculine black male. But I agree, it didn't work on Dokes. No. Dokes knew that something was wrong with Dexter. Yeah, we have a we have an eye out for crazy. That's why we yell in the movie theaters. Like, don't trust that motherfucker. But yeah, I, I love that the cop, from the moment she meets him, is like, this guy's not right. Right. And she basically figures out that Lou has something to do with everything, but she just can't prove it. Exactly. Right. Because the, 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 it ends with the cop pretty much saying, like, you're going to slip up. You're going to mess up and I'm going to be there when you do. Right. But Lou gets away scot-free. He becomes, a, a, you know, a, the, the top of the uh, night, the night crawlers, uh, the stringers, I believe they called them. Uh, yeah, yeah, he, he takes over the stringers. He has two vans. He is pretty much just a legitimate businessman now. Yeah, and he has interns and everything. Yeah, uh, all kind of ricks. New ricks. New ricks, yeah. Um, basically, he can. This is how the American enterprise is born. Expendables. Yep. You start off and you do some unsavory things like Rockefeller, uh, some things perhaps like uh, former President Donald Trump, um, et cetera, et cetera. And then you grow it into a legitimate business. Kennedy's or bootleggers. Yep, Kennedy's. So it's really quite interesting that, like I said, I think he is legitimately following the American dream. This is a story about obsession. Uh, I was just thinking what? about that. Like John F. Kennedy's, yeah, John F. Kennedy's father was a bootlegger. Mm-hmm. John D. Rockefeller's father was a rapist. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just crazy. Like, <laughs> like these guys are the masters of industry, but mm-hmm. by all means, they like bottom rung people. Like, right. But they're the American heroes. It just goes to show it takes one generation and loose kids. Mm-hmm. You know, so let's say his his stuff pans out like 
the the Bloom family. Right. Uh, they could be a conglomerate. They could turn like, into Bloomberg. Right. You know, 15, 20 years from now. Yeah, exactly. And that's how it happens. Like, unfortunately, Amer- the, those these empires are built off of unsavory acts. Absolutely. You know, very seldomly will you find a company that's been around for decades or generations who hasn't got their hands dirty or hasn't had some blood or hasn't had some workers they screwed over somewhere. But yeah, that's just the world we live in. And this movie does a perfect job of showing that other side. You know, there are very few heroes, very few victories, very few good, good moments, uh, very few jokes. But it just shows the humanity of a story. Yeah, this was uh, one of my favorite films of 2014. Probably one of my favorite films in the past 10 years, of course. So if you had to rate this movie on a scale of one to 10, what would you give it? You know, because it was so short and it the pacing was great. I'd give it a nine. I'm right there with you. Exactly a nine. I really enjoyed the acting, the story, the characters, uh, the actors and actresses. I mean, it was a wonderful film i just like how it moved fast there wasn't any filler in the movie or anything like that it got straight to the point but it was always a very well-rounded and explained point yeah this is one of the movies i describe as a native american buffalo kill nothing was wasted right they used every single part to make everything instrumental there's not one character i can think oh we could have done without that guy or you know they didn't have to have that scene in there like everything fit perfectly that made a big beautiful picture at the end and yeah it's it's a great movie um yeah it's just a wonderful film about it's a character study almost yeah over like you said the american dream psychopathy uh media it, it just covers so many aspects and yeah I, I love this movie and it's one of the one of the hallmarks of when i was when i first had aspirations of doing you know movie critiques mm-hmm. so yeah yeah I'm, I'm glad we're finally able to circle back and talk about these films that we just fell in love with and made us have this passion yeah, absolutely. I think next time, absolute, actually, I know, next time we're going to stay in 2014 and let's go on to Whiplash. Yeah. Because I think Whiplash would be a great conversation to have, not only just about how much we love that film, but also how that film would not get made today. No, 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 no. no. And this is only seven years. Yeah, seven I don't think years it was that. Band. And it's funny because it dawned on me. I didn't think it was that bad because he reminded me so much of my own band teacher. Uh, but no, he's uh, retired, I believe. But no, no, no. Uh, Whiplash is definitely a great next movie. I look forward to uh, cover with the the legendary J.K. Simmons and Mouse Teller. Uh, once again, smaller, more contained piece. Uh, but yeah, uh, we will get back to you on that. But yeah, that is our movie talk. Uh, go, excuse me. All right. Well, that concludes our movie talk. We really enjoyed you all listening. Please continue to follow us, like, share, and subscribe to the page. We really appreciate you all for listening, John Michael. But you got anything to add? Yeah, man. I am extremely grateful to be able to do this. Uh, just sit here and talk about movies we love. You know, for everybody. It's no. I'm I'm super blessed. I've always wanted to pretty much be a film critic since I used to watch Ebert and Rupert or Ebert and uh, Siskel and Ebert 
right. for originally, but then turned to Ebert and Roper when you died. Ebert uh, and Roper. Ebert and Roper, excuse me. Yes. Uh, but no, I always wanted to just talk about movies and just watching folks who have built careers off of it, like Jeremy Johns and uh, Chris Stuckman, Stuckman, Angry Joe. These yeah, are, Nostalgia Critic, who we talked about, right. used to talk about all the time. Yeah, we and, used to love his stuff. Yeah, so I'm pretty much living a dream right now, just being able to do this. And the fact you guys enjoy listening to us is also a big caveat so thank you uh so yeah just please continue to uh support us as well as our other shows we got here on this platform and we will continue to grow uh please contact us if you want us to review anything in particular email us at urban podcast at gmail.com or feel free to contact us at the facebook fan page group always watching those messages as well that's all i have eric thanks again yeah so uh this is our episode urban alchemy podcast this is monday morning movie reviews Closing us out for the episode, we have a track submitted by an old friend of ours, Don Grammer. So please make sure to check that young man out and track details in the description. So yeah, check us out and stay connected, stay safe, and stay blessed. Peace.
some good chick. This finna be so good, good.